Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Drug shortages continue to plague patient care and cause significant disruption at all points of the medication use process. Today on Verified Rx, I'm joined by Laura Bray, Chief Changemaker at Angels for Change, who's dedicated to solving this issue. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director with the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. Welcome, Laura, to the podcast. Thanks, Gretchen. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you here today. Tell me a little bit about your story and about Angels for Change. Thank you for asking, Gretchen. My name's Laura Bray. I'm Chief Changemaker at Angels for Change. We're on a mission to end drug shortages through advocacy, awareness, and a resilient supply chain. Our story started three years ago while my middle child, who was nine at the time, was facing a pediatric cancer diagnosis and her treatment was stopped by a drug shortage. At that time, it felt incredibly unfair to realize that of all the other things that we had to do as a pediatric cancer family, we also had to be navigating the largest global supply chain in the world to be able to make sure my child survived. I think about back when she was diagnosed, it was the end of 2018. She was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. It was 30 seconds of words that changed our lives and made us in a completely new family. There are blasts in Abby's blood. There's a bed waiting for her at St. Joe's Pediatric Oncology Unit. Pack a bag, plan to stay. You've got to get there now. And we spent the holidays that year in the hospital and contemplating what our life looked like now. As a parent, you can't take that diagnosis away. And you've got to figure out how you're going to answer all the big and small questions and navigate it and be honest with them. They're going to have to go through something. And your other kids are going to have big and real questions and you got to navigate it. You can't hide it. When I think about that time and all the things I tried to figure out, like, how are we going to afford this? And do I need to quit my job? And what does insurance look like? Those logistics, but also the emotional things when she, like, am I going to lose my hair? And I don't want to do this. And why is it me? And telling your other kids and having their questions. Never once did I contemplate that while we were navigating this crisis, that we would also have to navigate the entire global supply chain to find her drugs. It was heartbreaking and it felt incredibly unfair. We did navigate the supply chain. I am a business professor by background. And so I didn't have a lot of knowledge about the pharmaceutical supply chain or medicine or science at all, but I did have knowledge of supply chain. I was kept up at night recognizing we didn't solve the shortage. We just helped her. And that's how Angels for Change was born under the guise of we've got to do more. We've got to do better. I don't know what I can do, but I know that I can't sit beside and allow this to happen to somebody else. That's the beginning of our Angels for Change story. Almost immediately, people began to call us and need help. And that is how we began making relationships within the supply chain. Each time someone called us, we met a new member of the supply chain who were all really willing to help in various ways. And then that made it easier and easier to solve shortages. But those were all reactive and how do we make sure that patient isn't in the shortage first? And so that's where a lot of our work now is not just in the advocacy, the helping of a patient, pharmacist, physician, or purchaser get drugs, but how do we make a resilient supply chain? How do we solve this for everybody? How do we make sure no patient has to hear the words, we don't have the drug today, you're in the middle of a shortage. Those words were very hard for me to hear, but my child heard them. I'm trying to eradicate any of those moments for anybody in the future. 
What an incredibly impactful story you and your family have. And we are so thankful for your advocacy. I have to ask, how is she doing today? Thank you so much for asking. You know, I don't want to leave the readers on the sure. seat of their pants. Yeah. No, she's doing fantastic. Good. She is 18 months chemo and cancer free. The next big milestone is in Q2 of next year, she moves on to what's called survivorship. So we're really racing towards that milestone. She's now 13. Her cancer treatment was almost three years long and more than 25% of her life she spent on chemotherapy. So navigating that, how to get back to normal and what life looks like past cancer treatment is where we are. But we know we are incredibly fortunate to have a patient, a child who navigated through this and is not just surviving, but really is thriving. So thank you for asking. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you for sharing. So EDSA or End Drug Shortages Alliance, what's the connection there? It's a great origin story. I started Angels for Change and I wasn't really sure what I could do, but I knew that something had to happen and it was all very reactive. I made a website. If people called me, I helped them the best way that I could with the knowledge that I had learned when I helped my own child. But eventually that's not enough. It might fix the initial problem, but it doesn't stop shortages. I started saying like, what could be done proactively? How can we actually navigate this? The FDA put out a report that said the root causes and possible solutions of drug shortages. And in there, they had a line, enduring solutions will require multi-stakeholders and rethinking of business practices. We needed collaboration. How can we gain collaboration? In our work, we had met Vizient employees because Vizient helps the hospitals find drugs. So if a patient called us, needed help, or a hospital called us and needed help, we began to work with your team. And your team was doing this day in and day out, had a lot of expertise. I just thought for a long time, what would it look like to create a collaborative space so that the entire supply chain could come together not reactively, but proactively. I had a conversation with Dan Kistner, July of 2021. He had initiated the call and said like, we love what you're doing. This is so inspiring. We'd like to partner. And I said, well, I think there's a way that we could partner. I think there's something that you as the GPO can do. You are at the center of the apex of the supply chain. You have access to the customers in a way others don't. And you have access to the suppliers and manufacturers in a way that others don't. What could we do to bring them all together? What would that look like? Recognizing that if we were all together, we could do this. We could solve it. Then once we solved it in the U.S., what would it look like in a world where we could end drug shortages for everybody? And to Dan's credit, that's a big thing I asked him. And he said, I'll never forget it. He's like, Laura, I love it. I'm on board. We're in. (laughs) And I just said, "Okay." Three weeks later, he called and he said, Laura, we just bought endrugshortages.com. We got the domain. There's a team being put together. We're going to launch this. 68 days later at our summit, which is a meeting about drug shortages, we launched the End Drug Shortages Alliance with the first two members, which was Angels for Change and Vizient. That was fall of 2021. And now here we are fall of 2022, and it's 145 members who have all signed on to create the world where we end drug shortages and no patients left behind. So it's got this great origin story and never underestimate the power of a single phone conversation of two people willing to think outside the box, to do more, to think about what's one more thing we can do. And that's the story. It's incredible. 
That's wonderful. Now, congratulations on your successes. And it's really fascinating to hear about the progression from that grassroots helping folks on a one-on-one basis to expanding to where you are with multiple stakeholders and the work that you're doing at this point in time. You've been doing some work on a BCG position paper. What are you looking to accomplish with that? This is the benefit of having a patient advocacy organization as part of the founding members of the End Drug Shortages Alliance. I got a call from a cancer patient who had read our story. They searched. They were involved in a drug shortage for BCG Live, and they desperately needed this medicine, and it's on allocation. It's been short for five to 10 years. It kind of started 10 years ago, five years ago, really got desperate. So they said, we're in this position. We read that you help drug shortages. Can you help? I said, well, I can try. That's what I say every time. All I can do is try. Then shortly after, I got a call from a hospital because we do help anyone in a drug shortage. So the physician, the pharmacist, the patient, the purchaser, I call it the four Ps. We're all here at the end of the line and we really need to work together and we can end drug shortages together. It was a Moffitt and they said, we have this issue. This has been a real issue. It's been going on for years, but it's gotten more catastrophic in the last 12 months. I do what I always do is I reach out to our champions in the supply chain. So that usually starts with the GPOs and the distributors because you guys are at the middle of the supply chain. And what can we do to potentially solve this? This is a real crisis. There's a single source supplier of this and they are at capacity. They cannot give any more. The only answer is mitigation, which is moving demand to meet supply instead of moving supply to meet demand. And as an econ professor, that always bothers me. As a patient advocate, that really bothers me. There's real patience on the line. So I call it like, what can we do? How can we help? And we believe that part of the missing piece here is patient-focused research. There's a lot of research on drug shortages within the supply chain, but there is a missing piece and that's patient-focused research. And so our Changemaker Institute really fosters what's going on with this. Can we put a case study together about it so that we can galvanize the entire supply chain to show that there's a sense of urgency we need to find better, bigger solutions than decreasing demand to meet supply, especially in a systemic one. Sometimes a shortage is catastrophic, but there's a solution within three months. It is catastrophic for patients and hospitals for three months, but it is resolved. Abby's first one had been going on for four years. The different solutions have to be put in place. As an EDSA member, we reached out to our members and Vizient as an EDSA member said, yeah, let's put a case study together. Let's look at this drug. Let's look at the history of shortage. Let's look at how much of the market actually is needed, how much more is needed. And let's start there. And once we have true and real research data that says how systemic this is, we can then go and figure out how to build the solutions to make sure no patients left behind. That is work that really only can happen at the GPO level because that's the power of having the hospitals all grouped. They have access to information bringing it out into transparent work that then can lead to solutions is so key. That's how I got involved in BCG Live from a patient. But it also shows that having a patient advocacy organization, the patient having some place to go, 
have some power or any of the four P's, right? The physician, the pharmacist, the purchaser, the patient, you know, having a place to go and say, this is tough. This is difficult. We're having had these conversations with patients or a patient saying, I need this medicine, having a place to go. And then a space in the EDSA to say, okay, supply chain, we've all signed on to say we want to end drug shortages. What can we do now that we're together? What more can we do? How do we move the needle? Can we help one patient today? Can we help a hundred? Can we help a thousand? Can we end this and make it a more resilient supply chain? It's kind of the power of both things. Having a patient advocacy group in this space, there's a space for the four piece for the patient and having a collaborative group across the supply chain that you can lean on and reach out to, to say, I know that individually you guys are all already doing what you can. I trust that, but it's still broken. Even though you're all doing what you can, we have to come together to think differently, to rethink those business practices and multi-stakeholder solutions. I love how your background in business has been really foundational to this work. And I suspect that that's part of how the activity with BCG was able to be turned around so quickly because you have that expertise. But what other factors supported that quick turnaround with that process, would you say? Having a relationship with members at Vizient. You know, Vizient has a whole team already pulling data together. We're doing a survey to the members and the fact that members prioritized it and say, yeah, this is a problem. And the benefit of the EDSA is we were able to reach out to non-Vizient members. That is a benefit too. We were able to get data from the entire supply chain because we've got an N-Drug Shortages Alliance. So yes, Vizian and Angels for Change began partnering on it, but that partnership supported by the EDSA lets us reach out to the entire supply chain, the entire hospital market system. And the turnaround, well, I think the turnaround is because you've got people who are motivated to end drug shortages that recognize it's a true and real health crisis and want to do the work that it's going to take to end it. What do you want our frontline pharmacy staff to know about your work, Angels for Change, and the End Drug Shortages Alliance? I have come to understand that this crisis, this national health crisis has been on your backs for 20 years or more. And Herculean efforts you guys go through every single day. But despite those, there's still patients that are being left behind. You're not alone and there is power in connection. If every single individual hospital pharmacist is solving the same thing, it is a waste of time and effort. Contact us. You don't have to do this alone. We can do this together. And what I like to say is no one daydreams about shortages. Our family was blindsided by this. No pharmacist went to school to be stuck in the middle of this health crisis. No physician wants to deliver this news to patients. No one was like, I can't wait to grow up and go to pharmacy school so I can spend 90 hours every week just tracking down a medicine because it's not there to purchase because not enough supplies being made to meet demand. But if we continue with the current solution, we get the same results. What I want you to know is that I'm sorry that you've been at the apex of this healthcare crisis. We've got to do different things. We've got to change. We've got to do it together. And you're not alone. And there are things that can only happen when a patient advocacy organization is engaged. There are privileges of the FDA's drug shortage office that are only activated when there's a patient who's in need. 
So in order to do that, you got to not think that it relies on you. As soon as someone calls us, if we're able to work together and solve it for your hospital, because we are working with an entire alliance and a network, we're not just helping you and your patients. We can help the entire supply chain be more resilient. We can help patients all over the country. And we save you time. We save you heartache. We save your patients from hearing the words that my child heard, which was, you got to go home. You don't have the drugs. There's a drug shortage. We don't have the drugs today. Her question to that was, what happens now? She knew she needed those drugs to survive. She asked, well, what happens now? Do I die? And I would give anything for my child to not have had to contemplate the fact that she was going to live or die because a drug wasn't me. I would give anything to have that back. I would give anything for her to not have cancer, of course. But the fact that then she had to contemplate, well, now what? I'm totally reliant on this drug. She knew she needed it. That's from the very beginning. The very first thing they tell them is what you can do is comply. Compliance is the key. So I would give anything for her to not have heard that and contemplated it. So pharmacists, physicians, purchasers out there, call me first (laughs) so that your patient doesn't have to contemplate it. It doesn't mean we're always going to solve it. The BCG, a patient called me four and a half months ago. We're still working. There's been progress across the supply chain. There's been progress at the hospital, but that patient is still waiting. We think the case study will help move the needle even more, but that hospital's not alone. That patient's not alone. There's power in us being together and recognizing that you're not alone in this. Call me. Let's work on this together. I love that. And wonderful insights and advice for our healthcare practitioners. Your empathy is really inspiring to be able to have experienced that and have empathy for those who are doing their best to help their patients. I just want to thank you for that and and appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, you know, we did a drug shortage harm research project this year. Okay. And one of the things we were trying to do, looking at patient-focused research that's kind of missing And one of the things I was trying to do was quantify patient harm, but recognizing that patient harm is more than the physical protocol harm. There's also emotional harm. There's mental harm. There's breaking that trust and that bond between your physician and you. And that happens. And there was a recognition of that. I will tell you the most surprising thing that came out of this research. We were trying to quantify patient harm and there was questions around mental and emotional stress. The goal was for me to get a handle on the mental, emotional stress that patients are having. The most surprising thing that came out of this is that 90% of pharmacists say that they are having mental and emotional stress because of drug shortages. And that breaks my heart because I know what it felt like too for me. I experienced it three times. I really feel that we're unlucky. No one I've ever talked to's protocol was disrupted three times, but you're facing these every single day and still coming to work. And it's kind of like the cleaning your home Nobody notices you cleaned your home until you don't clean your home. I'm sure that's very stressful. The number of ones that you've solved that nobody pats you on the back and then the ones that you can't (laughs) solve and you're all by yourself. And then it's like, what's the matter with you? I do have empathy for that, but it can't keep going the way that it is. We've got to recognize that this was also a crisis for my child. This was a crisis for our family. And there's power in us recognizing that we're not alone in these crises. And then we can focus that power into solutions that haven't been thought of before. But you need to call us. Well, and on that optimistic note, what are your future plans? It sounds like you've been doing a lot of great work and I'm excited to hear what you have coming down the line. We have our reactive work. 
where somebody calls us and we work on it. And that is always going to be priority number one. There's a patient or a hospital in need. We've begun the proactive work of what does it look like to solve drug shortages? We have a project called Project Protect that we launched this year that looks to change the incentives of production and have some just-in-case supply of medicines that are vulnerable to shortage so that hospitals have a secondary path for ordering. No, not stopping a catastrophic event or a quality assurance event, but saying there's some just-in-case supply. And so we entered into a grant arrangement with a 503B manufacturer. We encouraged them to focus on two drugs with that grant and shared the barriers to enter the marketplace with them. Those drugs did go short. And in six months, they've been accessed by hospitals for half a million treatments. And we looked to expand that. So it didn't stop the drug shortage from happening. What it did is it stopped the suffering that's happening at the hospital. The hospital had another place to go. The pharmacist did not have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to search and beg for it somewhere else. They didn't have to have the conversation with the physician. The physician didn't have to have the conversation with the patient or the other scenario, which is the pharmacy had to compound it individually one patient at a time, which, you know, is not efficient or effective and the best use of hospital resources. We look to expand that. And we also look to engage in any additional proactive, resilient project. Think of Angels for Change. If, if you said, I just don't understand why somebody doesn't do this. This seems like a really easy fix and no one's doing it. Replace somebody with Angels for Change. Just give us a call. Let's see how we can figure it out. And with the power of the End Drug Shortages Alliance, that's where you can bring some of those programs and projects. What do you think about doing this? Who wants to connect with us on this project? That's the future. I do see a world where there's a more resilient supply chain. There's a pathway for just-in-case medicine and no patient is left behind. And I think it's feasible and it's feasible soon within the next five years. And what would that look like if a pharmacist or hospital never had to chase down a drug again? How could you spend your time healing patients instead? And what would that look like if patients never had to hear that they were in a drug shortage? And what would that look like if their treatment programs never got changed? They got to get that data approved protocol every single time. I think it would look pretty wonderful. It's a beautiful vision. And I really look forward to following your successes moving forward. So thank you so much for joining us here today to share your perspectives and expertise. I'm so glad you could be here, Laura. Thank you for having me, Gretchen. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening.